Today's episode is not one to miss. I have Nick Sapinero, the co-founder of Divi, here today. Divi is one of the easiest wallets to install and use, by the way, as well as so many other components that Divi offers. They also just did a partnership with La Liga, which will be bringing all things crypto to some of your favorite football stadiums. Definitely do not miss this episode. Welcome to the New to Crypto podcast, designed to guide you through the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy, created for the new and intermediate crypto investor. Join your host, Crypto Travels Michael, as he takes you through the different facets of getting started and succeeding in your crypto journey. New to Crypto podcast brings you new episodes daily, Monday through Friday, with surprise bonus episodes sometimes on the weekend. Let me ask you, are you new to crypto? Don't know where to start? Are you more experienced but have questions? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is designed for you. Coming at you from the Trading Center in the Lifestyle Design Studio, here's your host, Crypto Travels Michael. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. You can store, manage, and grow your portfolio, get NFTs, and multi-chain support. Download the Brave Privacy Browser at brave.com slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. I'm excited about this episode today. I'm joined here with a veteran in the crypto industry, the co-founder of a very well-known project in the industry. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. Hey, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Nick Sapinero. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Divi of Divi Labs. <laughs> we founded the Divi project back in 2017. Um, I've been in the space for a little bit longer, though. I got in uh, around 2013. I was building some mining rigs for people, although I wasn't super aware of exactly what Bitcoin was. That was my first uh, introduction to the uh, to the asset class. Uh, but it wasn't really until 2015 when a buddy of mine somewhat forcibly got me into Ethereum. And being a web developer at the time, I found a lot of a lot more interest actually in, in Ethereum than I had with with Bitcoin because of the capabilities of smart contracts and things of that nature. But I still believed in the tenets that built Bitcoin was built upon, you know, this democratized finance system that was borderless and accessible anywhere you were, completely decentralized and without the you know the third party intermediaries. That was very appealing to me as a as a kind of a rebel kid, <laughs> still to this day as an adult. So in 2017, I was brought on to Divi as actually a freelance web developer, just to build their website. And of course, I had been investing in the space and studying it for a while. So I was able to contribute to the white paper, the original white paper for the Divi project. And after some time working with the team, they were like, hey, do you want to become a co-founder before we launch this thing? Which to me was like a dream come true. And it's led me down a path that I, I never could have dreamed or imagined. And, um, you know, I've become a professional in this space and, and eventually became the CEO of the company, which is where I sit today. Wow, man. Thanks for sharing that. I actually didn't know that backstory on it. You know, I'm definitely very familiar with Divi Project and Divi Wallet. And uh, yeah, thanks for unpacking that. Can you tell us and our listeners in a nutshell, what is the Divi Project and Divi Wallet? So Divi is essentially built upon a singular, singular philosophy that 
cryptocurrency should be easy to use and access to everyone everywhere. Uh, now that may sound a little bit broad or generic, uh, but in 2017, most people were focusing on hyper niche singular use cases. They weren't focusing on the user experience around those use cases. And still, even to this day, the, the user experience could, could use some improvement, although it has improved a lot throughout the industry. So we felt that if we could make one of the most difficult things easy, which at the time was setting up a masternode, then we could probably make many things for every coin very easy. So in 2018, September of 2018, we deployed what's called the Masternode One-Click Cloud Installer, or Mochi for short. And that allows, still to this day, people to set up and start earning cryptocurrency at the click of a button. It's just as easy as you know setting up a Spotify account or a Facebook account, right? We expanded upon that by actually getting that technology patented. It's pending now. And enabling it now from a cell phone. We launched our mobile wallet back in uh, 2020, where now you can actually just, with the swipe of a finger, set up a masternode, a staking node, send and receive a variety of cryptocurrencies. And it's all done within this the context of this very easy-to-use, familiarized interface. So you're not seeing crazy addresses, um, unless you want to, of course. You're seeing your friend's face. You're seeing a username. Uh, you can send to their phone number, their email address. Things that people just expect at this point in their mobile application experience, we're bringing to cryptocurrencies um, and we're delivering it to a worldwide audience. Wow. Wow, man. I especially like how easy you've made it for people that are especially new to crypto. Because after all, this this show is called New to Crypto. And we have a lot of listeners around the world that are actually new and, you know, Let's expand a little bit more about the Divi wallet and just share with our listeners a little bit more about how simple your wallet is to use. The links are on our website uh, so they can go over there and install and, and use your wallet. But how is your wallet different than, say, other wallets? And specifically, why is your wallet so easy for someone that's new to use? You know, it's it's been a difficult sort of challenge to uh, to make something that is both self-custodial, fully decentralized and also easy. <laughs> and it's important to us that we don't sacrifice the capability of the user to own their funds for convenience. Because we've done that too much in the past, right? With social media, we sacrifice our privacy for the convenience of connection. I don't intend to continue that trend with finance, the sort of final frontier of digital ownership. So we took a very, very methodical approach to building our wallet. Right from the time that you download the wallet and onboard, you're feeling uh, as if you are just onboarding to a traditional app. Um, we take the user through the traditional steps of you know setting up your username, setting up your account profile picture and things like that, if you so choose. You can actually continue to use it anonymously if you choose, but most people do choose to set it up this way with their phone numbers and things like that. Once you are onboarded, then we guide you through what is a seed phrase? How do you back that up? What's the importance of these things? We find that if you just bombard the user with all of this jargon and, and crazy uh, <laughs> things that they've never seen before, uh, you lose a lot of the users. Each step in the process of onboarding, and this is true of any, any vertical or any industry, each step that causes friction for the user loses more more and more subsets of users. Um, and that's why it's taken so long to even get a modicum of mainstream adoption in crypto. So that's one of the biggest differentiators is actually just the onboarding steps. Once you're in the wallet, you can see that it's easy to send and receive your funds to your friends, 
shortly here in this quarter, you'll be able to actually purchase a variety of cryptocurrencies with a credit card or, or a wire transfer or an ACH transfer, as well as swap your cryptos, play with DeFi, uh, among other things that are, that are on our short-term roadmap. So you're feeling as if you're just using a finance app that you've used before, but it's actually a decentralized mobile wallet. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that with our audience. Nick, you're a leader in the industry. For, for some of our listeners that may not know that, Nick is, is one of the OGs, if you will. He has a defined footprint in the industry. And let's just change gears just for a moment. We're going to come back to Dibby. But let's talk about for a moment because about the future of crypto and the goals of decentralization. Like, What are your thoughts around this? Right now, there's a big sort of divergence, right? There's two counterparties, if you will, in this space. There's the sort of fundamentalists, the diehards that still believe that decentralization is the answer, that if we turn around and create basically a refreshed version of what already exists in the banking system, then we haven't actually innovated or done anything. And then you have the other side, which is the essentially custodial services that act and operate much like banks. Now, what I will say is while I am on the side of decentralization, and I do believe that self-custody is the answer, I do see why both things will continue to exist and may, may need to continue to exist. Large enterprises and even small businesses may or may not want to custodialize their own funds. They may want to put that trust in someone else's hands, which is fine. You know, you should have that op- opportunity, but we shouldn't just build with that in mind, in my opinion. I think that we will see, you know, decentralized products continue to thrive. We're seeing decentralized exchanges now getting, you know, it's at times more volume than than even the biggest uh, centralized exchanges. As people start to learn more about the industry, they get further down the rabbit hole and um, and traders and and users alike want to take control of their own finances in one way or the other. DEXs are also at, at times more convenient. You know, the interoperability that they offer across chains and things like that, as well as the anonymity are really attractive especially as the regulations start to pour into the space. And we're seeing a lot of crackdowns on Binance and some of the other large exchanges where, you know, they're even getting banned from, from countries, from operating in those countries. You know, that's, a, that's an impact on users, an impact that users don't want to see. So they're going to go to the services that are most convenient and, um, and most usable. Definitely agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. What would you like to see in the future of crypto in general? like adoption, anything on the tech side? Where, where do you see things moving towards? Yeah, I mean, adoption is, of course, the goal, I think, of a majority of the industry. And I think we're starting to see it. It's interesting, actually, how these different sort of niches that pop up in the, in the space sort of bring more and more people from different walks of life into the industry. You know, I'm not a huge meme coin fan. I think it's kind of a joke. I mean, they really are. <laughs> but... They brought a ton of new newcomers into the space. And while a lot of people did lose money on a lot of them, it did open some people's eyes to the prospect of what cryptocurrency can be. Same with NFTs. You know, there's a lot of absurdity in NFTs. Let's not be, let's not sugarcoat it, but there's a lot of potential there. And I think while people are having fun with the absurdity, they're also learning about the potential of that technology and where it can go in the future. And that's creating lifelong users of cryptocurrency. So I think, you know, adoption is 100% where I'd like to see, but it, it's still going to take some time. I agree. I agree. And, and, and also, I agree with the, the NFT onboarding of new people, meme coins, even the metaverse, you know, even esports, you know, even my nephew, yeah. for example, he's, he's a gamer and, and now he's going to move over into, you know, esports on the crypto side. So 
we're actually seeing the adoption, I agree with you, of uh, here in the industry. Yeah, I mean, we're also seeing it in, in traditional sports, right? These huge partnerships among a variety of different projects. And that kind of exposure is pretty unparalleled. I mean, there's very few things in this world that people adhere to or associate themselves with closer to than sports. I couldn't agree more. That brings me into my next question. Nick, I'm a huge football or soccer fan, depending on where the listener is listening from, and especially La Liga. And uh, I read about your your La Liga you know, sponsorship partnership recently. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, this was a big deal for, for Divi. I mean, Divi is kind of an underdog. We've been an underdog in the industry and we've continued to fight through, you know, crypto winter and back when Ethereum was super broken back during the ICO era and, and all of the other challenges that we've faced. And we're up against a lot of major competitors now. The space has grown to, you know, I think 1.8 trillion as of this morning, overall market cap. So we're competing against the crypto.coms and the FTXs of the world. Uh, whether we consider them to be direct competitors or not. So when we met with La Liga in, in Spain, uh, I'm sorry, we actually met them in Dubai at a, at a conference. When we met with them, I was skeptical that we could actually close on a partnership this large. You know, La Liga has a viewership of something like 2.7 billion uh, worldwide. And I said to my CMO, actually, I was like, look, I would love to close this partnership. I think it could be huge. It could be very impactful for our business, but. I don't, I don't see how we win it against, against these behemoths. And she's just like, you just gotta just trust me. I've done this before. I think we can do it. They really liked us. You know, we went with them for breakfast and things like that. And we put together this pitch deck and we pitched it and we gave it our all. And next thing I knew, I'm flying to Spain and I'm signing the contract. And it was a big moment for us because, you know, now we have the opportunity to put our product in front of so many literal billions of people over the course of three and a half years. And it's very validating, I think, that a company or an organization like La Liga, which is the largest soccer league in the world, at least by reach, would say, yeah, we want to we want to work with you, Divi, instead of XYZ, you know, exchange or, or, or project. It was a big deal. Absolutely. Hey, congratulations on that to you and your entire team, man. That's, that's phenomenal. And it's also another huge win for the industry, you know. What does Agreed. what does the sponsorship or the partnership look like in terms of you know are, are you guys gonna is your sponsorship gonna be you know in outside of the stadium inside like what, during games how does that look Yeah, great question. Really, it's uh, it's truly a partnership. You know, they wanted somebody, uh, an organization that they could activate with. So yes, we will have um, you know our our logo around the pitch during games. Um, and next to the the goal um, and TV ads and things of that nature, uh, we're starting to see that already. Some of their Twitter posts and stuff include Divi Wallet and whatnot, which is cool. It's really cool to see that. But I think the real impact comes from the activations. So we get to go to El Clasico and actually work with players in the league and players that have retired from the league to do things with the fans that actually introduce them to cryptocurrency, introduce them to the Divi wallet in person, right? So whether that means buying a beer at the stadium with the Divi wallet or getting a, an NFT airdrop to their, to their Divi wallet, or even, you know, booking a hotel, things like that are all possible alongside, you know, actually playing with, with their favorite players and, and doing the, the fun stuff that you, you expect to see at big events. I think that honestly, is where the, the true impact comes from. Because they'll be seeing the, the logo over and over again. And then it's like, oh, what? 
they're giving me something, I get to actually use this thing. It makes it real tangible in their hands. Absolutely. Oh man. And now you, now you're inspiring me to fly to Spain in, uh, in the future here and, <laughs> and be at some of the games, you know, you should, you absolutely. Should. Let's, let's circle back to, to Divi since you touched on the uses of, you know, uh, of payment in, in the wallet and, and even what you're going to do at, at the games on your site, it says digital money for mass use. And I love that. And I wanted to break down, you know, some of the different components of it, like user-friendly smart wallet, the five-layered. You touched on the master node system, you know, but if we if we could unpack what lottery blocks are, crypto banking, things like that, vaulting, that would be phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, the one of the most interesting things that you touched on is the lottery blocks. I think this is kind of a novel feature. I don't see it very often in the space. I think we may be the only blockchain that actually has this integrated at the at the core level. So basically, once a week, 11 people have the opportunity to win what we call a lottery block. It's basically a super block that distributes a, a large chunk of Divi to 11 lucky stakers. So if you're staking with our, with our wallet um, and you win a staking reward, then you automatically have what we call like a lottery ticket. It's just nomenclature. It's really interesting because as long as you're actually staking more than 10,000 Divi, you can even win the large prize. So one person wins 252,000 Divi, which is worth, I think, like 30 grand right now. And then, and then 10 people win 25,000 Divi, which is still a pretty solid sum of, of money. We just had, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, somebody who was staking 18,000 Divi for just a couple of weeks won the big lottery. So they went from roughly a $2,000 investment to winning almost $30,000 in a couple of weeks. Wow. And that's the kind of like life-changing, I, mean, I don't know if it changes your life, but definitely makes it easier, opportunities that we've always tried to provide people. And we've done this in a responsible way where you know the inflation mechanism doesn't impact the market in a, in a negative way. And people seem to really, really enjoy that. Absolutely. Where did the idea come up from, you know, to do the lottery blocks? I think it's awesome. And, and you're the only one I've seen that has offered that. We really wanted to enable scarcity in the initial phases of our development cycle. We knew when we first started Divi that, you know, we didn't raise $50 million in our, in our ICO or anything. We raised like two. <laughs> so we were starting more like a regular traditional tech company. Um, we knew that we would have to encourage scarcity in order to avoid, like I said, that negative impact on the market, get the products that we needed to get out there so that token velocity and things like that, actual use cases could be built for long enough. And, and that's exactly what we've done. So of course, the masternodes encourage scarcity. Staking does as well. And we have over, I think, 80% of our <laughs> ecosystem allocated to both of those things. And then of course, the lottery blocks keep you uh, users engaged and, and, and staking their, their coins and hoping for those. And you should see, I mean, <laughs> if you join our community, you'll see people like getting super excited every week for, for those lottery blocks. Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually already in your community. I'm in your telegram. And, and I got to tell you, I love nice. the, the amount of information and the way that you guys share it, like even even in Telegram, even when someone first signs up, like all of the different links and it's all very clear and you know illustrated and it just makes it really easy to be introduced, you know, to your project and what you guys are doing. You guys have really put a lot of time and effort into even the structure of how information is accessible. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it goes back to the philosophy of user experience, right? User experience doesn't mean a pretty UI. It's the full consumer experience that the, that the user is engaged with. 
which is why we have 24 hour support. It's why we're so transparent as a team. And we do, you know, monthly video updates and Twitter spaces and things like that. We want people to feel like in this space that can often be ridden with, let's just say shady, shady business practices that people feel they can trust us, uh, can rely on us. And as we make decisions for, uh, for the ecosystem, they typically will, will agree with us. And of course, we bring everything to the community before we, we move forward and, and it's, you know, operates like a DAO. Uh, but we found that most people just say, hey, we trust you. And that's hard to build as a company, especially in this space. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street. More control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser, no extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com forward slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. Absolutely. Well, you guys are doing an amazing job. Let's move into the crypto banking component of, of the Divi. Let's, uh, let's talk on that for a moment. Yeah, I mean, we really wanted to create a consolidated finance ecosystem that removes a lot of the friction from both the traditional finance world and the crypto finance world, consolidating the value chain, I always say. If you look at something like Tesla, right? Tesla's in a ridiculously successful company because they took the value chain of the automotive industry and consolidated it under one roof. Now, this was incredibly capital intensive for them initially. However, long term, we start to see that they're outperforming Ford and, and GM and the big the big auto manufacturers that have been around for uh, you know 100 years or whatever. We kind of wanted to take the same approach to finance. If we can pull all these things together, like exchange, and send and receive and earning and and all of your favorite coins and and integrate it into one very very familiarized package there's a big opportunity there you know the finance ecosystem of the world is is worth trillions and trillions of dollars so if you can if you can capture a piece of that you can have a very successful organization <laughs> and that's kind of been our philosophy from the jump awesome great vision in in identifying you know the opportunity and the need on that that's um so let's unpack the vaulting component part of it. What exactly, some of our listeners, Divi in general is new for them. And so we're going down the list here of the different, you know, different aspects. And so what is your vaulting uh, component here? Vaults are a pretty also novel solution, again, that I, I haven't seen before. Now, there's a lot of coins that offer staking, obviously. That's nothing new. However, in, in, typical, in the typical sense, staking requires either uh, a dedicated machine that is online 24/7 and has you know the adequate hardware to to operate the staking node or in the case of most new coins it's delegated proof of stake right so 
uh, what this means is that you're basically committing your funds to a certain pool, so to speak, and allowing that pool who does have the, the necessary hardware to add blocks to the chain to stake on your behalf. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it isn't a fully decentralized solution. It does essentially centralize the production of nodes to, like in the case of, say, BSC, 21 nodes, most of which are owned by Binance. <laughs> so um, what we wanted to do was create a system that could be A, used from your cell phone, and B, retained the decentralized nature of staking without any sacrifices. So we developed what are called staking vaults. Basically, all it did, all we did was, I say this matter-of-factly, but it was actually kind of difficult, was we created a, a proprietary third key. So you can actually broadcast your staking transactions through a, a secondary node while retaining all of the control and ownership of your key and your coins in your mobile wallet. It doesn't require actual hardware. It doesn't require your phone to run. You can actually set up a staking vault and turn your phone off and put it in a drawer. And that was the goal. And it works really well. And uh, it's actually become more popular than the masternodes over the past couple of months. Wow. Wow, man, that, that thing is awesome. Thanks for, for breaking down the ball team. You guys are on the forefront, or I would say, of, of vision and, and really identifying solutions that are needed and then making it easy to use, you know, because in crypto, as you know, you know, if you're not a technical techie person, it's not exactly the, the easiest, you know, industry to navigate. And, um, you know, and so awesome for, for what you're doing there. What's, what's the atomic swaps? First of all, for, for our listeners that are new, what is an atomic swap? And, you know, what is the atomic swaps in exchange, you know, you know part of, of what Divi has going? Atomic swaps are a mechanism for a peer-to-peer trade, essentially. So if I want to trade you Dash, for example, for Divi, right now you would have to go on a centralized exchange, trade your Dash for Bitcoin or USDT, and then buy Divi. Incurring slippage and central party risk, all the things that make centralized exchanges lame, <laughs> as well as you know a lot of friction and, and know-how to just get to from point A to point B. Atomic swaps are a decentralized mechanism that allow you to basically say, hey, I'm willing to sell this much Dash uh, for this much Divi, and then a secondary counterparty can come in and, and, and take that trade. It's kind of an older mechanism, but it's the most decentralized way to swap between what are called UTXO blockchains, which is how like Bitcoin operates. It's how Dash, of course, operates. Um, and many of the layer ones from from the early days, we'll say, of you know, the 2017, 2016 era. Um, of course, Bitcoin is the first one from back in 2009. But it's something cool. And it's it's something that is actually enabled in our blockchain right now. Um, and you'll start to see that coming out in our wallet this, this quarter. Awesome. Awesome. So another another bullet point you have listed under digital money for mass use is multi-coin system. Is that essentially that, you know, people can hold... People are probably thinking they can hold different cryptocurrencies in your wallet. Is is that the multi-coin system or is there more to it? Where are we at on that? Yeah, I mean, right now you can hold Divi, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum in the Divi wallet. This quarter is big for, for Divi. <laughs> so we'll actually enable uh, the storage and swap between 270 additional assets. Wow. Plus the, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> a lot of them are CRC 20. 270 new additional assets that are coming. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And with swaps. So it's, it's, in my opinion, the industry is moving more toward interoperability, 
we've decided as a, as a market that, you know, there's not going to be one coin to rule them all. People want to utilize and speculate on a variety of assets. And that's good. That's exactly how markets need to work to be open and free. So, you know, we want to support that and we want people to be able to uh, do that in an easy and safe way. So yeah, we'll have those 270 assets plus ERC 20 support. So you can add any meme coin you want <laughs> to the wallet. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just keep expanding upon that range of, of assets as we move forward. Wow, man, that's exciting. I'm going to have to have you back on the show once you guys roll out some more things in, in your roadmap. Maybe we'll do a video on YouTube, sure. you know, that'd be sweet. You do a something like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Just let me know. What is your, your, your roadmap going forward? Yeah. You mentioned the, you know, the, the 280 additional assets that'll be able to you know, be in the wallet. But going forward, what is what does the roadmap look like, you know, for this year and beyond at Divi? So, you know, I mentioned interoperability and that's going to become a big deal for us as an ecosystem. I truly believe that if by the end of this year the the blockchains that you're that you're leveraging are not interoperable to at least some extent, they they won't exist beyond you know, the next couple of years. It's just the reality. It's just the way the industry is going. You know, you have the EVM standard, which is the Ethereum virtual machine. You know, MetaMask enables a variety of blockchains to just quickly operate within its wallet uh, using the EVM RPCs. That's a level of interoperability on its own. And now you have all of these different bridges between the assets. And of course, those those technologies are improving. We've seen <laughs> recently the, the Solana wormhole bridge kind of suffer from some hacks, but but these things improve over time. Um, so this year we'll be deploying a, a bridge to Ethereum, um, BSC, Kronos, which is Crypto.com's new chain, and a variety of others, so that people can really use Divi everywhere and uh, engage with DeFi and NFTs and things like that that they want to play with. Um, we want to make sure that while we continue to improve upon the L1, that uh, that everyone can use Divi in whichever way they, they see fit anywhere they see fit. Awesome. Awesome. Nick, you just mentioned interoperability. And and for some of our listeners, they may not exactly know what that means. And I can't think of anyone better to explain it than you. Could you unpack that for, for them? Yeah. So most cryptocurrencies back when I started in this industry were what we call now layer ones. So it's just a singular blockchain that operates within a silo. A lot of blockchains still operate this way. Interoperability enables these blockchains to communicate across chain and actually bridge between each other. In some cases, even wrapping their layer one asset on another chain. So you may have seen wrapped Bitcoin um, or wrapped Ethereum on a variety of different chains. You also see USDT and USDC on pretty much every blockchain now, right? That's interoperability in practice, allowing the user to engage with the asset on whichever blockchain they want or need to at that time. You know, there may be a really exciting project on the Binance Smart Chain that I want to engage with. So I have USDC on BSC, but I also do stuff on Ethereum. I may want to buy some NFTs. So I have ETH or USDC on on Ethereum. Um, And at any given time, I can cross these bridges, which are just smart contracts, just interfaces for the user to, I'll say jump for lack of a better term, between these various blockchains. It's really something that we've talked about for a long time in this space. And now seeing it come to fruition is freaking awesome. And it's real and it's here. And I think, like I said, it's something that everyone needs to get behind. Absolutely. I know our listeners are totally thanking you, Nick, and they'll be able to reach out to you online on social media 
All the links are on uh, the episode blog post page for today. And uh, man, thanks for breaking that down. In closing, is there anything else you want to you want to share with the audience? And well, you know, I would love to see the audience come and ask questions in our Telegram, uh, just at Divi Project. We have a very welcoming community. We have a lot of newbies to the space come to Divi um, sometimes as their first asset ever <laughs> because it's so you know user friendly and accessible. So, you know, we'd love to see you and, and talk about, about Divi and, and answer any questions that you might have, uh, whether it be about Divi or, or the space at large. We have people that just love talking about this stuff all day long, including myself. Awesome. And, and that link, by the way, is on today's uh, blog post page for this episode. And I'll also spend some more time hanging out in your Telegram as well, because uh, I'm a really big fan of, of what you guys have going on. Nick, man, thanks thanks for coming out. Thanks for spending some time and chiming in here with us. And uh I look forward to doing, you know, a video and we'll do it on YouTube and uh, we'll break down and unpack some more awesome content, man. It's been my pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. If you like today's episode, definitely like and subscribe to the podcast, show your support and chime in here tomorrow for another special episode. Until then, make it a great day. Thanks for tuning in to New to Crypto Podcast. If you like the episode, be sure to follow and subscribe. You can listen to every episode on all major platforms. Have an interest in being on the show or want advertising? Reach out at newtocrypto.io. Head over to our site, newtocrypto.io, to access the resources mentioned in each episode. Until next time, remember to navigate the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy.